The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hudson's Minded and Top 25 Under 25. Um, we're here with Anton Rasegård from Wales. Are you out of lockdown yet, Anton? Because this is almost as exciting as the Top 25 Under 25. I actually am. Now England has gone into lockdown and I think Scotland as well, but Wales um, did their fire break. Uh, a bit earlier, uh, only for 17 days, and now we are out of it. I mean, it's still, I mean, restrictions galore here, but uh, we can go out as we please now, and, and the cafes and, and restaurants and shops and stuff are starting to opening up again. Uh, so that's nice. Hopefully they will stay open as well. I mean, it could, they they are saying that they, it is um, there is coming like a plateau or something that we are seeing like, uh, seeing everything kind of level out. So let's hope that it's, stays that way for uh, until Christmas at least because otherwise I won't get home to Sweden. Indeed, it's a, it's a mess everywhere. I have traveled across country, uh, across Sweden from the west coast to the east coast because I'm going to try to become a certified teacher at one point or another in my life. So I'm in Kalmar, a very famous city for nothing much at all. The union between Sweden, <laughs> Denmark and Norway was founded here in the 1400s, but that's about it. Um, and there's a Famous castle that I'm going to look at tomorrow. But other than that, yeah, nothing much. We're close to Oscarshamn that is right now playing in the SHL. But yeah, is there anything more to say about Kalmar, really? It's a pr- it's a pretty city. I was actually thinking about that uh, this summer when I was like looking looking out for where I was going to move and just thinking like, oh, I could see myself living in Kalmar for a time. Why not? Like, I mean, it's then you can go out like there is a bridge going out to uh, to the islands, the Swedish Swedish second biggest island, and yeah, it's uh, close to the ocean. I like that. So I think Kalmar is a bit underrated. It's also a university city, so there are plenty of yeah. young. Uh, happy uh, people, people like you, Anton. That's and it's great yeah, for certainly. an old guy to, for like me, to be surrounded by by you, smart young people. And because you're so smart, you're on this pod, and we're going to start with number twenty-five. One of our fellow Swedes. Um, he's not really someone that we have a lot of different opinions on, but we're a little bit confounded by him. And it's Jacob Olofsson in Hulefte Aik. Uh, he's been there now for, this is his second season. Uh, I still see it I, that he has taken a step forward, uh, especially last season before his big injury with the shoulder that needed surgery. Uh, but on the other hand, it's painfully slow development. Yeah, it's, it's started to come come into a kind of make or break. I mean, like obviously Olofsson is still only 20 and it's only two and a half years since he was drafted, but you kind of want to see that development uh, in a second round pick. And so far it's kind of, 
as you say, there, there, there is potential in all of some, and it's kind of frustrating to see that he can't really just get it together properly. We've spoken to a lot of people about Olofsson. We've spoken to coaches. We've spoken to Olofsson himself. We've spoken to to uh, beat writers for Norrun, which is a fantastic paper if you're interested in Skellefteå. You still have to pay, I think it's uh, 10, 10, pounds, 10, 10 pounds or $10 a month. And, and it's a lot. But if you're really interested in uh, Skellefteå and understand Swedish, I could recommend it. They're, they're super friendly guys. They're also very great guys to, to ask questions on Twitter. So, so feel free to do that. They usually reply at least to me. Um, but anyway, uh, everyone says that he has this potential. But it also seems that he can't really bring it when it's needed. And it's we said it just when we were, were talking about discussing some of the things we needed to say. And, and really, in order to develop, one of the talents you need is also dedication. And I'm not sure that Olofsson has that all the time. And that is unfortunate. Because yeah. obviously, if, if you want a career in professional hockey and really want to be something, like now is the time to really put in the effort. Because he, he's not 17 anymore. He can't live just out of pure talent. It doesn't work anymore at the SHL level. He needs to put in the work properly and really show that the Montreal Canadiens should, um, well, I mean, make an effort to to continue developing him. Uh, and the same for Fuelefti, obviously, where he's playing now. Indeed, indeed, and Kolefti uh, is currently one 0 up, and I just need to to look that hopefully or, or hopefully he has scored, but it isn't. It's Jonathan Berger that has scored his third goal for the season, another draft pick of the same class, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, it was Detroit. Detroit, yeah, and Detroit they only draft Swedes anyway, so sooner or later they draft <laughs> yeah. a good Swede. But um, yeah. yeah, it's um, it's stalling a little bit. Um, he seemed to be a little bit more professional. He seemed to have that character coming into the season. Um, he had worked really hard in the gym. He'd worked really hard on the ice. And then obviously he got a concussion just before the season started uh, and it hampered his development. They've also moved him to wing because they have such a center depth in, in the Colectio. Um, so there could be a future there. Um, we saw with Lucas Vedemo, who's similar kind of player maybe, uh, that uh, he started at the wing and moved into center, which is the normal transition. Olofsson has played center all the time, but now he's moved to the wing. He's bigger. He's faster. He is not as comfortable there. He said as much when, when I spoke to him earlier last month. But on the other hand, it might be a role that he can develop better rather than the center position at this level. He just needs to be more consistent and he needs to approach the go to the goal and score in front of the goal to get in good positions because he's a little bit of a parameter player still. Well, we saw, we saw now that uh, Noel Gundler, uh, another prospect who, where there's kind of been talk about like, well, he, he, I mean, he has all the skill in the world, but but is the effort really there? He was loaned out from Lulio because he didn't get enough playing time, according to himself. Um, do you think that Olofsson would benefit from something similar, just getting a fresh start somewhere else, just for a few months, just getting like maybe maybe playing higher up the line and just getting a more well central role, maybe as even playing as a center? Uh, I actually don't 
No, I think he needs a, a club change completely, not just a loan spell. Uh, mm. I don't remember if he has another year at Coleftio or, or if it's this summer, but I could see... No, him... his, his contract expires this summer. Yeah, so I can see him go to Laval, uh, as an example, and, and try to develop there under UL Bouchard, which doesn't tolerate any, any slackers. And uh, yeah. um, maybe build up his his character that that obviously we know Mark Bernstein put a lot of stock into. Uh, Skill wise, he has all the tools except for maybe a shot. Uh, on the other hand, you need to remember that uh, he, we've seen it with other players in this situation. Uh, I think that one of the Davidson brothers did it. Uh, they sign a contract uh, for a year, maybe. Uh, or they sign a contract with the main club and get loaned out to another club to develop further and get new surroundings and see how it goes. It doesn't work very often, but when it works, it works really, really well. So it, it you would want to see him perform at a higher level this year, but also you could see him being SHL next year and, and see how that goes, and, and then you can cut him if it's needed. Uh, you're always not going to give up the rights to him. You, you're always going to do a qualify offer, I think. But that's about it. Like you, you, you want to see him develop. And if you lose him, it's a second round pick. And I saw there was some discussion in one of the threads uh, earlier that, uh, or if it was on Reddit, uh, but but someone pointed out that if you get you know uh, of your combined second round picks, you you need to get you know every third should hit. And if he doesn't hit, that's that's another problem, really. No, exactly. I mean, from that class, we I think just and Justin wrote in the <laughs> article about the Olafson that uh, I think Justin wrote in the article about the Olafson that um, was it. He was the fourth pick. Obviously, we had Kotkaniemi, we had uh, Ilonen, Romanov. Then Hillis has signed already. Um, and is there someone else that I'm forgetting? Well, uh, actually, we already have at least four four of the uh, youngsters from that class who have signed their entry level contracts, which is a great sign. Uh, only two years in, um, if we look at the rankings, I mean they were quite spread. Still, we had Mark who had him at 14, that was the highest, and we had David who had him at 35, uh, who was the lowest. No disrespect uh, to Mark, but I'm 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 going to go with David here. I think most of us had him somewhere around that 25 area. But but yeah, if David is low on him, I, I think we should probably, you know, keep that in yeah. mind. Uh, yeah, and we also saw like I mean he was I think it was he entered uh, the top twenty five under twenty five in twenty eighteen at place twenty one, and then he rose to place nineteen last year, uh, only to fall down to twenty five this year. I mean it tells you something about where everyone stands on him. Um, he uh, he has an important year ahead of him and. Uh, Otherwise, he could. I mean, obviously, he's as I said, he's still twenty. There is plenty of time to grow still. But if he continues to trend downwards, um, chances are big that he will fall out of the top twenty-five altogether next year. Yeah, and and we also have to be be honest here. Someone is comparing his injuries to Ikonen, and to be fair, there there is a lot of difference between the number of games that Olsson has played and Ikonen has played in the last two years. So so yeah. Uh, you can. I mean, Ekonen has really not had a chance to show what he has. But when he has played, those 13 games were really impressive. Olofsson has played. I mean, he played uh, 
43 games before his draft year, uh, 34 games for Tim Raw uh, the year after his draft, 24 games last year, now 13. So Yeah, but also so you, there, could, you could say that the first year that Ikonen played in Liga, he was one of the worst yeah. prospects that played in Liga over the last, I think it was five or six years, where I put that effort in <laughs> to, to, to see that. He was 0.2 per game uh, in Liga, and that's really bad for a forward. Uh, he shown when he was playing with Alexander Tetschier that was taken a couple of spots ahead of him by Columbus Blue Jackets and has already played one and a half season in the NHL. So yeah. you have these, you, you try to figure it out, but uh, at least Olofsson has played and you know that he can still play. I'm still not mm -hmm. sure and convinced that Ikonen can play. No, no, that's true. Obviously. Um, so, I mean, I, I saw also in the comments that people were comparing Olofsson's ceiling right now to Jacob Delarose, uh, also a former second round pick of the Canadians. Can you see that trajectory moving forward? Uh, no, I, I, honestly, I don't. I, I think I compare him more to Christopher Ian that played with Detroit the last two years, but has has just signed another contract with Frelunda for the rest of the season. Uh, I think he's more of that borderline player, whereas Delarose actually has been an NHLer. I think the problem with Delarose was that he came over as a 19-year-old and got to play 40 games and or 40 plus games, and in that way, he he uh, everyone ex expected him to develop faster and be and become better. On the other hand, look at the development pool that that uh, Montreal has now compared to when Delarose was ranked. Six, I think it was that top 25 and 25. Yeah, 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 it was. Uh, so, so I mean, you have that, you know, it's a discrepancy there as well. Uh, and to be frank, I'm, I'm, I think it's a little bit lazy because you see it with every prospect. Romanov is compared to Emelin or, or, or someone else and Orlov or, or whatnot, but you never compare him to Cronwall, which is probably a, a, a better comparison with the big hits and, and understanding of the game as well. Uh, so I think you need to look outside the Russian area or the Swedish area or the Finnish area when you look at a comparison. And, and I, that, that's one of the things that I actually have a, a small problem with when, when I read comments. Look for a similar kind of player. The, the country doesn't yep. matter. It, it's the player. No, and especially look outside of the own organization because yeah. obviously it's easy to just look at players who have already played for the Canadians and try to make a comparison there. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're going to move up, and we have a newcomer on the list with uh, Luke Tuck. Luke Tuck, younger and, brother of Alex Tuck. And everyone here is like smack in the middle, more or less. It's 21, 20, 22, 19 yeah. with the eyes on the prize, and, and uh, Stefan 70, uh, and the rest is, is obviously within the 30s. That's a very narrow margin, to be honest. And, and yeah, it's an interesting prospect, I think. And, and we spoke about this before as well. Uh, we could compare him, Lacey, to, to Michael McCarron. And we all know how that <laughs> fell out. And we, we, we can compare him to someone else that is big, strong, and, and, and has had a big career in hockey. And, and it all comes down to this. What, what, what image do you want to create in your comments? And what image do you want to create for, for your readers? Uh, I'm not going to be lazy like that. I'm going to say that he he has the size, and uh, he can if he can learn to use that size properly. Uh, I haven't seen him skate, so for me, I'm going to leave that out of my discussion. But 
if he can learn to use that size properly, he fills a hole in the organization. We have a lot of small forwards and, and not big forwards. He fills that need in some ways. But on the other hand, you cannot just draft prospects on size because then half of the Raptors team would play with the Montreal Canadiens because they have size too. Yeah, and that that is the interesting part because we saw when Montreal traded for Josh Anderson, who is also, if you want to make a lazy comparison, you can make the comparison of Josh Anderson and Luke Tuck. Obviously, they are big power forwards um, um, who use, yeah, well, obviously Josh Anderson is a better skater at this point, but we'll see what Tuck can become. Uh, But just in the fact that um, many said that Montreal overpaid by paying uh, Max Domi and a third round pick for Josh Anderson. And then they went out and drafted Luke Tuck with pick 46, 47 or whatever it was. Uh, A player who was ranked uh, by many uh, as a third rounder, some even as a fourth rounder. um, And really hadn't been one of the shining stars in the U.S. National Development Program. Uh, But... As Mark Bergevin said when they traded for Anderson, there is a lacking of those kind of players, those kind of wingers in the NHL. And obviously then Montreal saw a chance to get uh, an Anderson light in the pool. As you say, there are no big power forwards in the Canadiens prospect pool. So when they had the chance with a second round pick to pick up one of those, I understand why they did it. And in the end, who cares if he's drafted in the second or third round? The only thing we are interested in now is whether he develops properly. And let's hope that now that he goes off to Boston University, let's just hope that it will be a proper development uh, ground for him. Um, it's also interesting since he has his brother already in Vegas and the NHL. What can you take from that? I mean, obviously you have a guy close to you who has already made the trip and uh, well become a successful NHL player hopefully that is something he can bring with him as well um he's also young i mean he's 18 19 uh, in march so uh, yeah uh, 14 points uh, in 19 games in the USHL and then 30 points in 47 games with the national development program um it will be interesting to follow him moving forward, absolutely. I think I had him just about there, 23, 24 or something. No, I think most of us had him there. If you look at it, it's yeah. it's, it's it's some outliers, but I, I'm cautious of saying outliers when they're ranked 19 and the next one has them on, on 22, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I, I can't really see that. But yeah, it's 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 not a make it or break it year, but, but we need to see no. him more. Uh, obviously, as you say, having someone in the family that has made a, a professional trip already makes it easier. You, you can learn from that person. You can learn from teammates. You can you know the the minds that that person has hit on on the road forward. Whereas this time, you you can avoid some of them. Hopefully, uh, you also have the contacts. Like if you're bad at skating, you you probably have an easy call to make to a skating coach or a shooting coach or, or, or someone else that can help you out in that regard as well. Because it, it seems to me that in the US you have to and North America in general, you have to facilitate this yourself. Whereas in, in Sweden, the club usually puts a lot of effort into drafting in skill coaches to help you develop in that regard. And I think uh, it, different methods, but uh, hopefully I would love to see more skill coaches get employed by by NHL teams and and getting more involved maybe in summer training as well. 
So, so it's, it comes down to that. He's an interesting prospect, obviously. He fills a hole. Uh, and let's be honest, if it, what, what is the average number of NHL games for, for a second rounder? 25? 30? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, don't know, it's, but... I mean, like, it's, it's not a lot. And and uh, we we can actually Google it while we're sitting here. Uh, so, but I don't think it's 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 that much. And um... yeah, while you're googling that, um, like what I was thinking about Luke Tuck as well was that uh, a few. Uh, a few of uh, you fans in the comments were saying that you wanted, uh, well, you expected him to be higher up on the rankings since he was, in fact, the Canadiens' second pick this year after Caden Gooley. Um, I think that w- I can only speak for myself, but I know that Jared wrote that in the comments as well, that um, we haven't really seen the upside at this point. We know that he has the size and we know that he has scored a few goals, but we haven't really seen what he can be. Like everything is projection at this point. You see this big power forward, but can he actually become that at a professional level as well? Does he have the skating? He will need to develop um, proper skills because now he just seems like he's okay at a lot of things. He doesn't have anything that sticks out except for being 6'2 and 200 pounds. Um, and we've seen plenty of those guys who are 6 to 200 pounds and can't make it into the NHL. So you can't just be big. You have to be uh, like Josh Anderson, for example, a good skater and be able to score goals and be able to play that gritty game if you want to move further up the lineup and not just be a gritty fourth winger, fourth line winger. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually at a loss. I can't find something like that. But uh, it really isn't that many games if you look at it uh, from from a um, and and if you get a combined score from from a couple of uh, second rounders of of a hundred games, you've probably done a good draft. That's how you have to see it, and uh, we have to to go forward from that. Obviously, the next one is a fellow Nordic player, Anton. Yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking, like, uh, do we really say fellow? We know how much Kotkaniemi hates us Swedes, so should we, like, treat them as brothers or just, like, the enemy here? No, obviously, like, since we have so they're, many they're, Finns. They're and... our kid brothers, you know? We, everyone takes yeah, the piss of, of, the, of the big brother. That's the same with Norway. That's the same with Finland. But in on number 25, we have Otto Leskinen, who, who is really an interesting player. Yes, he he's surprised. I mean, Montreal's history with uh, with Leskinen goes back two and a half years now. They obviously invited him to uh, to summer camp, training camp, uh, summer of 2018. And then when he had a breakout season during 2018-2019, they they were first in queue to uh, to sign him to a two-year entry-level deal, uh, where he played last uh, last season, uh, 52 games in Laval. Uh, with uh, two goals and 20 assists and a hell of a lot of penalty minutes. He had 57 in total. Uh, but in December, he also received a call-up when Montreal was short on defense and he played five five games in a in a minor, uh, well, third-pairing uh, minimal role with uh, Kale Fleury on the back end. Um, so it was all in all a positive year for Otto Leskinen. I think... Um, many had the expectation that it was a kind of uh, watch and learn experience from him, but he uh, swiftly took a top four role in Laval and held it throughout the season. Um, and except for a concussion, uh, well, 
he had a concussion in February. Uh, he played steadily throughout the whole year and and did so in a, in a more and more consistent manner. So if the season would have started up properly by now, uh, it, he would have been interesting to follow in Laval and see what, what he could bring. Because uh, with more and more prospects coming up and uh, guys like Juleson and Brooke developing and Romanov uh, developing into a, potentially an NHL role and Kale Fleury being either in Laval or in Montreal, it would be interesting to see if Leskinen could uh, show something that could spare, well, just leap him ahead of some of the, these guys or if he just is kind of lost in the shuffle now yeah. when he has yeah. he, he's come yeah. back to Liga and he's really playing very yeah. well there as well so so he has tools that are uh, applicable more or less anywhere in the world one thing is for sure no matter where he ends up in in in, in the rankings and if he stays with the Montreal Canadiens he will have a career in hockey that's a fact Definitely. Uh, I mean, he has shown now, obviously it's just been eight games uh, or something uh, with uh, Kalevan Pallo in, in Finland, but he has shown that he can be a leading defenseman in Liga. And if you can be a leading defenseman in Liga, there is a career for you, either in the SHL or in KHL. And he will be a good AHL defenseman if he wants to continue his career in North America after this season. The question is just if he, it will still be with Montreal, if they see enough potential in him when he is 24 years old, um, that it's worth signing him to, to more years and see if you can develop him into a third pairing guy in, in the NHL potentially. Yeah, and uh, that is really what, what, what the discussion will be. Is he worth keeping around with all the defensive prospects that are coming around? This is his chance. This season would have been his chance to, to break into the team at a more stable role. He's very good on the power play. He has a good hockey IQ. I think that, you know, he, he would definitely be, if he stayed in Laval, he would be a top pairing defenseman maybe and, and being on the verge of that call up. And then you never know what's going to happen. You might earn, a, earn the right to play for another team through a trade or... or uh, you can break through and actually break the glass ceiling into to, to Montreal Canadiens. I think that will be very, very difficult for Leskinen, but the, he is a very, very good defenseman. Absolutely. And he deserved his chance in Montreal, uh, like, well, those five games in the NHL. Um, and he deserved uh, an entry-level contract at the time. Uh, he has make, made the most out of his opportunity, and we see now when he's back in Finland that he has um, he has become a better hockey player by playing in North America for a year. So it's really benefited him. Um, as you say, like there is a problem with him being a left-handed defenseman when you have Ben Chirot, Joel Edmondson, Alexander Romanov, Brett Kulak, um, Victor Mete and possibly Xavier Olet ahead of him in line. Um, That's just so, this year because you got Norlander coming over as well. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to sign him to a new contract, then obviously you will have... I think that we've already talked about this, that Montreal will probably ship out one of the defensemen ahead of the season. But, but still, there are a lot of... Um, a lot on defense at the moment, and and Leskinen could just get get kind of lost in that and and end up um, end up unsigned after this season. 
He obviously started his season in Liga, so when the season starts in the NHL, he will be ready, and that might earn him a call-up at the start, first uh, 10 games maybe. And that's very important as well, because if it's a shortened season this year, every game is going to be more and more important. That's true, and I didn't even think of that. But obviously, yeah, he he will be the one who is game ready. So, um, so when training camps comes around, look out for Otoleskin and, and see what he can bring to the table. Um, he will need to uh, improve on his defense even more, um, even if he's become a better uh, defender. His skills are still mainly in the offensive side. On the offensive side, um, but yeah, uh, it will be. Uh, he's he's a he's a good. Uh, mentor as well for a guy like Jesse Ullonen to have this season um, since it is his first in North America for real. Yeah, and we know that it was Leskinen that went and collected uh, Ullonen at the at the airport in Montreal. Uh, they already have a bond uh, and I think that's, as you say, very good to have players uh, taking care of each other when they arrive to, from, from different locations. Usually... Uh, Swedes and Finns stick together in, in, in some sort of way. <clears throat> I remember the, the good old days when there were all line brawls and, and even team brawls that um, Swedes used to grab each other. And if they couldn't grab each other, they grabbed a Finn. And then they said, like, hey, so what are you doing this summer? And it looked like they were fighting, but they were really talking about other stuff. Uh, they, they just kept uh, tried try to keep out of it and let the, let the North Americans fight because they're, they were obviously better at that. We've gone away from those things, but... Uh, we know that Kotkaniemi and, and Bedemo went out for coffee a few times when when both of them were were part of the training camp. Uh, so so there 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 are you know reasons to hang around and um, we we all know that you've been abroad, I've been abroad. You, after a certain time, anyone from the Nordic countries is a, is a fellow countryman. Of course, except for maybe Kotkaniemi and Rasmus Hegg. Uh, yeah, who I don't th- th- think those those, those, those guys are not gonna you know. Be on speaking terms. They're not sending Christmas cards to each other this year. Let's be honest about that. They are not. They are not. <laughs> All right, we'll leave you with this. We're going to try to make another pod for number 21 and number 20 uh, at the end of the week. Uh, we're looking back to hear from you uh, in regards to uh, feedback. And uh, if you want to hear anyone else on the pod, harass them because, uh, you know, I, we understand if you don't want to hear these weeks speaking about things anymore. Uh, there will be more Finns on the list, that's for sure. We know uh, some of them already. We mentioned one, two of them today, but I'm not going to reveal on which place, space uh, or which place they're going to end up. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.